We come uh, today to uh, Matthew chapter 6 again, and verse 11 is the focus point. Uh, very simply said as a part of the disciples' prayer is, give us today our daily bread. As I said, with this portion of the Lord's Prayer, we turn a corner, and up to this point, the focus has been upon the Father. His name, His kingdom, uh, that that very much at the heart of things, His will to be done. Um, but now we turn our a little bit to the ourselves piece of things and on others as well. And we discover in this turn that our Father is very interested in our world as much as he is accomplishing his will in his kingdom. He's interested in our needs and the things that we face from day to day. And sometimes we sometimes we just assume that and we, we, we believe that. Those are generally the times when things are going well. We assume that. When things don't go so well, then we begin to question it. We're going to wonder, where are you, God? And there are some things that are helpful for us in this particular portion of Scripture, the implications of what it means to simply say or pray, give us today our daily bread. <clears throat> so I'd like to look at that for a few moments. I want to look first at the image of provision that's there, the image of provision. Give us today our daily bread. Now, I don't know what you had for dinner last night. <clears throat> I suppose if you were in China, you would probably say, give us today our daily rice, maybe, I don't know, whatever, whatever it might be. We, we happened to have leftovers last night. We had uh, <clears throat> sweet and sour pork, with fried rice and beef with broccoli with fried rice that we had had from a couple days before. So, you know, and on Friday is normally our fish day. We, we, we're not, well, I guess we're, cat, we're not Roman Catholic, but we're Catholic in terms of universal church. But we just seem to like to eat fish on Friday. <clears throat> Works out well during Lent, you know, kind of thing. Um, so we had fish and, uh, and, uh, um, Flounder fillet, breaded with steak fries and pickled beets. And then, now, why am I torturing you with all this stuff? You know, here we're, you know, recorded at 12 and saying, you know, this kind of grunt, growl, growling stomach, maybe. I'm not intending to torture, but we have many choices. We, we can eat a wide variety of things, whether it's pulled pork, or chicken soup, or whatever it is that you choose to have in your menu if you work on a menu, or if it's just a matter of opening the door and seeing what's left in the fridge and figuring out what you're going to do about it. Uh, there are many different things that we can do from that side. But we, we have a lot of things. And when, when uh, the prayer that Jesus suggests or teaches his disciples is to pray for this day, our daily bread. At least it's a minimum point at uh, uh, some point where it talks about a picture, an image of provision, that God is indeed the provider. What does that mean for us? 
I believe that it means simply that all of the physical and material needs of our life are intended to be met by our Heavenly Father. All of our physical and material needs. Now, now we know that life is more than food. It's it's the, the spiritual dimension. Jesus, we, we we finished up watching the DVD series or the the program called The Chosen. I finished watching up that last night. It was talking about <clears throat> uh, the encounter with the woman at the well in Samaria and and the dialogue there in terms of the things that I'm going to provide you are more than just more than just physical water. This is spiritual water. This is this is a wellspring inside you. It's more than just the material kinds of things. We know that life is more than that. But we're grateful that God knows our need. Even in this particular chapter, Matthew 6, when you wander down a little bit more toward the end of the chapter, you, you read the reinforcement or perhaps even the expansion of Matthew 6.11 when you get down to verse 25. And when he, when he, he says this, Therefore I, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's a very familiar portion of Scripture. We've probably heard it a few times before. But seeking first his kingdom is a priority, and that comes at the first part of the prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And when we get that focus right, then the rest of the turn uh, in uh, give us kinds of things uh, kind of fall into place. Um, when it talks about meeting our daily needs or give us today our daily bread, I think it's basically focusing on what our needs are. What does it mean? What? Well, I can tell you what it doesn't mean is is that it doesn't mean that we're going to get everything we want because bread, someone said bread ain't cake. It might be one way to describe it. Bread ain't cake. In other words, you can, you can, have, you can have a slice of bread and you can have a piece of cake and you know that the piece of cake is probably a little bit more involved than just that piece of bread. There's probably more to it, or certainly more sugar, uh, depending on what kind of frosting you put on. You can make it healthier by making carrot cake, you know, maybe, maybe get some vegetables in there. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are a variety of ways in which you can deal with it. But sometimes with just the basic bread kind of thing, we think that's not enough. That's not enough. I need more. And so sometimes we can talk about that God supplies our needs, but probably doesn't always do 
our greeds might be one way to express it. There are sometimes things that we like to heart, like to have. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but here in this piece, it's it's the image of provision. Give us today our daily bread. God is our provider. Matthew 6 reinforces that. We'll get to another story that will reinforce that as well. And that's the first image. The second image is it's an image of dependence, provision, and dependence. Dependence. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. God sometimes keeps us on a short rope in terms of dependence upon him. And there are some uh, interesting portions of scripture. I, I remember our, our youngest daughter one time was uh, memorizing some verses, and she came across this one in First Chronicles. I don't want to get to, so I'm going to get a head start and, and get there. Okay. Okay, so I'm there. All right. In this image of dependence, when we're talking about today and daily need, there are implications of that. What does it mean? What does daily bread living look like for me as a follower of Christ, for you as a follower of Christ? Here are some descriptions. I'm going to give you four today. First, it shows up in gratitude to the giver. Gratitude to the giver. Um, and can we assume this? We, we just assume that, yeah, well, everything I have has come from his hand. Yeah, I'm thankful. And sometimes that lasts a while until somehow the stream dries up a little bit. And we become like Elijah out in the middle of the wilderness and, and the brook dries up. And we say, oh, God, where are you? What's, what's going on? That's a whole other story. That's a very illustrative story as well. But in this gratitude to the giver, I want to read this portion from First Chronicles, Old Testament, got to go back a bit, and chapter 29. I'm going to read a psalm, or actually a prayer that David makes right before this verse that I want to draw your attention to. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. Verse 10 says of 1 Chronicles 29, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give thanks. We give you thanks and praise your glorious name. And then there was this verse that our daughter Teresa chose to memorize. I remember it. Um, and uh, it was it was for her was a very important key piece. And it's the next verse, verse 14, where, where the writer says, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as we are all our forefathers. Who are we? Everything comes from you, and we've given you only what comes from your hand. What we receive in our life in the journey here is a gift from God and simply calls us to say, thank you, thank you. <clears throat> A number of years ago, there was a 
a song that came out by that title. And it was called, Thank You for Giving to the Lord. And I don't know if you recall, but it's the story of a, I dreamed I went to heaven, another kind of thing, you know. And uh, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. And it was an issue of gratitude. And that's an important piece. When we, even when things may not go exactly the way we want them to, he is still worthy to be praised and thanked. Gratitude as an attitude is a key piece in terms of how we live. As daily bread living Christ followers, gratitude is an important piece. And the other, another piece that shows up, I believe as well, is, is contentment. Not only gratitude to the giver, but contentment in the receiver. And sometimes contentment is a hard thing for us to get our hands around. There's a, there's a proverb. Uh, this isn't, this isn't, I'm not talking about fortune cookie kinds of proverbs, you know, we're not talking about, but this is a proverb, Proverbs chapter 30. And I've always been impressed with this particular verse. And I think it's practical. I think, I think uh, this is one of those verses that comes from out of uh, the Dave Ramsey material, I'm sure, in terms of financial freedom. But, but the proverb comes up in this way in terms of uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 30, uh, three verses, 7, 8, 9. It reads this way. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. If, if you're looking for something to pray to the Lord before you pass along, here's two things that this, the Solomon, the source of the wisdom, suggests for us. Oh, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only, give me only my daily bread. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Interesting that Jesus includes as a disciple's prayer, give us today our daily bread. The psalmist put it that way, the Proverbs writer put it that way. Otherwise, he says, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. It's interesting that the psalmist or that, that the Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs, puts out for us the importance of being content as a receiver because of the dangers of having too much or too little. If you have too much, you might say, why do I need God? Who is the Lord? If you have too little in your estimation, you might be tempted to try to take some from somebody else that is not rightfully yours and thereby dishonor the name of our God. It's always a tension between those two. Someone asked uh, John, John D. Rockefeller one time, how much money is enough? Now, Rockefeller, the name itself, ought to tell you that there's a lot of bucks there. And his answer was interesting. He said, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. We always want just a little bit more. Sometimes we we look and we say, "Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I think I'm I think I'm going to have too much month left over at the end of the money." You, you just begin to think, "Am I going to be able to get through?" 
Maybe for you, that's not a problem. Maybe you got a big pile of pennies, and so it's no big deal. You can, you can, you can go out to eat every night of the week, and you can spend lots of stuff and drive lots of new things. And maybe that's not an issue. But for for most people, it's just kind of week by week, month by month, day by day at, at times. They, it's interesting in terms of government figures. They talk about the number of people who are simply living paycheck to paycheck. And when that supply stream gets interrupted, it can create some tensions or problems along the way. Here, the writer of Proverbs says, I, I want to avoid either extreme. I want to be content where I am. Not too much and not enough, but just enough. And the, the interesting thing is that Jesus says, I want to provide for you your daily needs, Matthew 6, 25 to 34. I'll do that. And the prayer is, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, what we need. Sometimes we demand dessert when God promises bread. And I don't know if you're used to eating dessert at the end of the meal. You know, that's, sometimes that's a reward for you, you know, and you ate your food. And so what kind of ice cream do I have in the freezer? You know, what, it's, what, what kind of special treats do I have that I can get into? Because that's the dessert. That's the special thing on top of it. But yet there are times when you may not have dessert. Maybe, maybe there isn't any ice cream in the freezer. Maybe there's no brownies made by anybody and you just have to be content with your with your meal sometimes we get spoiled and we insist on having dessert when jesus says i'm going to provide your daily bread the things that you need to get by so it shows up in terms of gratitude to the giver contentment in the receiver it also shows up in terms of confidence in the provider. Who is it that provides for us? We say, well, I, I, I go out and I work at a job and I get compensated for that, or I invest in, in a, a lifetime of work and I get a social security income from that, and, and so I've earned that and I have the right. Well, I, I'm not arguing the point, but the scriptures do point a, a, a different direction or picture for us in terms of who the ultimate provider was that we ran. We counted that from 1 Chronicles 29 already. But let me go to another verse in Philippians chapter 4. I don't know if you have a short list of verses that you have memorized, but Philippians 4 is a good passage to be digging into. Verse 13 is one. Verse 19 is another. Verse 19 simply puts it this way. My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And that's just one of those basic verses that ought to be a part of our arsenal uh, to, that we need to use to reassure our heart and soul and to stand in the face of the enemy when he causes us to doubt about whether he's going to come through for us in that particular point of need. He is the source for us. Our confidence is him as a provider. The Old Testament illustrates an issue of confidence in the provider. In Exodus chapter 16, there's the story of the people of Israel in the wilderness. And you know it. 
where where they get in the wilderness and and there's a lot of people and Moses has this responsibility and and they get out not very far into the journey and they say the people of Israel are really good at complaining they they really had I wouldn't say it a spiritual gift, but boy, they could they could figure it out how to complain. And Moses had to put up with this stuff for a fair part of his journey in leadership. Um, in Exodus chapter 16, you have the story about the the quail and the manna. So you know the story well enough. They go out, um, and, and each day they would be able to uh, gather manna enough for them to get for that day only. If they tried to gather more omers or whatever the unit of measure was that they had uh, to get, uh, it, it would spoil, except on, on the one day where they could gather twice as much and it would last them so they wouldn't have to be observing, so they wouldn't have to work on, gather on the Sabbath. So, so, so God provides. So uh, he, he provides this thing on the ground this frost-like kind of thing that they didn't know what to call it, so they used the Hebrew word manhu, which means, what is it? And and they decided to come up with, that's what man is, because we didn't know what the name was, because that's what it is. What is it? We don't know what it is. It's just manhu. It's just going to go out and collect the manhu. So each day they would get this manna, and if they tried to get too much, then it would get wormy or whatever, and so not be sufficient. But it was a daily Daily for how long? Forty years. After a while, there's only so many creative ways, things you can do with hamburger. Hamburger helper? You know, hamburger whatever. You know, how you want it? Well, let's do goulash. Let's do burgers. Let's do meatloaf. Let's do, I don't know, what else can we do with hamburger? You know, you, you begin to think about Envision 40 years of manna. Now, as a concession, God says, okay, let's give some protein to this carb diet, and we'll just add some quail. Well, after a while, quail isn't beef. It's not lobsters. It's not shrimp. Well, those things were verboten anyways for the Jewish people. But, the, but the, the point is simply that he gave them a need for their need day by day. And yet you find them resorting or defaulting to the complaint mode. Sometimes we just don't appreciate what God has done for us, or we forget about it. In this particular story, the confidence of the people in God doing that for the period of time of 40 years, 40 years of that, and they still found reason or cause to grumble a bit or a lot depending on who you listen to or what you read someone has put it this way we need to be people who plan ahead but don't worry ahead and sometimes that's helpful for us there's our responsibility to plan ahead that's okay you know you you see a need you need a you need a plan to replace something uh, and so you begin to save for that to, to, to avoid getting into a debt trap and all of that kind of stuff. But you, you make a plan. Here's how I'm going to do it. And then when that's all in place, then you, you execute that plan. But we don't worry about it. 
we recently replaced uh, an, an aging refrigerator freezer. Uh, as a matter of fact, we just did that this week. We we planned ahead. We thought, well, okay, now how are we going to do this? We, if you've ever bought if you've bought a refrigerator freezer lately, sometimes you can go into the store and they'll say, sure, we'll sell you one. It'll be available in two months. Sometimes it's a it's a long while before you can get that thing. So we we made our plan. We met. We ordered the thing, and sure enough, it was two months before we could get a particular one that we wanted. Now maybe it was because for us maybe that was cake and not bread. Maybe we just weren't all that driven to. You know, the other one was still working. We knew we could expect it along. It's it's 18 years old. It, it yeah 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 it's, it's old, and, and we thought well. Probably ought to replace it. It was interesting, however, that we identified that as a need. We'd like to do that. But then the Lord brought about some circumstances in which some extra unexpected dollars became available to address that need. And it comes back to Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all of your need. Now, it would be crisis if the refrigerator freezer stopped and suddenly you had to deal with it. Okay, what do you do? Well, as long as the temperatures are cold, you can put it outside, but that doesn't always work that way, uh, at least down in Harrisburg area. Um, so we had to be made the plan, and we got that taken care of. It just was interesting how the Lord knew what the need was for us and provided for us in, in what was unexpected answers uh, from things we weren't, we weren't figuring our plan, we would have gotten it in a whole lot shorter period of time, but then the Lord made this uh, provision for us. So daily bread living involves gratitude to the giver, contentment in the receiver, confidence in the provider. But then one more piece that I need to add is it also provides or it shows up generosity to those in need. Sometimes when we see give us Today, our daily bread, we think, okay, the corner's been turned, and now it's our turn to be on the receiving end. Give us. And we're, we're <laughs> we can get into the gimme, 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 gimme mode real quick. Um, it, 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 can, it can, we can get there. But it, in this case, it's talking about generosity to those in need because it, says, give us today our daily bread. Not give me today my daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And so it involves us in terms of community as well, where we have the opportunity to be part of an answer to prayer. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19, puts it this way. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides for us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. 
we understand the maxim of the scripture, give and it will be given to you. That we are to hold the resources that God puts in our hands lightly, not tightly. We're good managers of what God provides, but it is our daily bread. And I think that's where the place of community really lies in our generosity. So when there is a need, as God has blessed you, you're able to bless someone else to encourage them in that need. Have you learned that living when you're in connection with people and 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 a need becomes evident and you say, okay, Lord, are you asking me to respond to that? Uh, and, and he'll give you the green light or the red light along the way, and then you just make your appropriate response. No obligation, no have to, no, no imposed structure that says you got to do this. But it's an issue of responding to God's grace and goodness in our generosity to those in needs. <coughs> so today the issue here for us is being able to answer the question, how are you doing in your daily bread living? Is your prayer focused more on me or my stuff, or is it our? Do you intentionally pause to ask God for his grace to live daily so that we don't get so consumptive that we become too badly obligated or extended so that we might dishonor our God? Do you find life characterized by those above descriptions of gratitude to the giver, contentment in the part of the receiver, confidence in the provider, generosity to those who are in need around you? And if you're saying, one of these days I'm going to start to do that, my word to you is perhaps today is the day. Perhaps today is the day to begin a new prayer for success in daily bread living. I believe that God puts together a group of people who can discover the sufficiency of God for every need. Um, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. 4.19 says, my God's going to supply all the need. And, and I, I'm sure, I'm sure in your journeys, you've probably discovered him providing for you in ways that you didn't plan, you didn't think. Maybe you've been able to just manage everything fine and, and you figure it's all, you got it all figured out. And there's enough, there's enough money left over at the end of each month that to do whatever you may need to be doing. Maybe that's all part of the plan. But I, I suspect that for most of us along the way, there have been those times where we've said, Lord, I don't know how it's going to work, but my confidence is in you. My trust is in you. I want to be, peop I want to be a person, a, a follower of Jesus, who learns to live in contentment. That's a whole nother sermon. And there's the whole concept of godliness wrapped up in that contentment. My prayer is that we'll be able to make uh, the disciples' prayer our prayer. Give us today 
our daily bread and allow him to meet us at each point, each point along the way. Will you pause with me for prayer? For most of us, Father, um, I suspect day-by-day uh, day dependence upon you is a part of our journey. Um, we may not have massive wealth that we rely on to bail us out from every emergency that arises, but we, we might find ourselves more just saying, Lord, I need you today for my daily bread. We realize that in the world about us, there are people that don't have daily bread, literally. There are people that will be starving today. People that won't have adequate shelter or clothing or food. And we sit in a nation that is very blessed, and you've given us much. You've given us strength to earn a living. You've given us wisdom to plan well. You've given us a challenge to be people who are generous toward you, toward others. And that's all what daily bread living looks like. Our confidence is in you as the provider. Our contentment is in you as you give to us, as you know our daily bread need. Our generosity is wrapped up in you as we accept community responsibility and opportunity. My prayer is that you will minister to each one. You know where each one of us are in the journey. And I pray that you would always <clears throat> find us grateful. Grateful for what you've entrusted to us. And we want to manage well all that you've given from your hand. Bless, I pray, this people, those who are not able to be with us today. Let the blessing of God rest upon them as they honor you in their life, in their walk, as they press into you as Abba Father, as they press into the work of the kingdom, as they press into the will of God to be accomplished. You promise to be our provider. We look to you and with thankful hearts say, thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.